Changing your mind. Romans chapter 12. Part 2. To go back just a little bit, there's four divisions to this chapter. Four divisions. And the key to Romans chapter 12, the key is verse 2. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where we get the theme, changing your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But I have a question first. Besides liking honey, what do John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Now they both like honey, right? But besides that, what do they have in common? John the Baptist... And Winnie the Pooh. I'm going to tell you. You never knew this. Same middle name. (laughs) The. But when we change our attitude, change our mind, it starts in verse 1 and verse 2. That's the first section of Romans chapter 12. To change our mind. Now the Bible says that be transformed, really changed in Christianity, When our mind is changed through salvation. I know it's not just a personal work. It's a work of God. God changes everything about us. But we are still in control of this thing between our ears. And it's in our power. In Romans chapter 12 says to do the right things. We have to have our mind changed towards the right things. So in verse 1 and verse 2. I'm I'm just going to do a quick recap. We change our mind towards God. And then verse 3 to verse 8 is the second part of the chapter. And we went over this last, uh, last week. Then we change our mind toward ourselves. And that, believe it or not, is very important. Because sometimes we don't realize that we look at ourselves a certain way. When I was in the Marine Corps, uh, we went down from Camp Pendleton to... San Diego in a work van. It's a white work van. I wasn't driving. We went to do some work. It was not glamorous, okay? We were getting ready to go on a ship, so we were doing something, maybe taking some stuff down there. I don't really remember. I think there were three of us, and we didn't really look spit-shined and polished. Well, if you know anything about the Marine Corps, they have two boot camps. I went to the one in Paris Island, and that's on the East Coast. And then... There is another one in California. Well, it's between Camp Pendleton, where we were stationed, and San Diego. So we were in a government van, so the driver said, let's go to the MCRD, the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, because we were Marines. We could just get on base, show our ID cards. We went on base. I've never been on that base before, and the recruits are training. We just pulled right up to where they were doing this hand-to-hand combat, the recruits were. and We just kind of watched for a little while. And then we decided we were going to get going or something. And as we, we looked over maybe to the right, there was this huge drill instructor there. I mean, he looked like, and drill instructors, they look right. You know, their uniforms are pressed, their boots are shined, ours were wrinkled, our boots were scuffed. And when you're a recruit, you get in big trouble for that. So we looked up at this drill instructor and I remember this fear that he was going to destroy us, that he was going to just come down upon us. And I remember him looking at me and then just giving me a nod like, what's up? 
like a bro knock. And then I began to realize, wait a second, I'm not a recruit anymore. I'm not in training anymore. I was a Marine. You know, sometimes we don't look at ourselves maybe as a Christian. We think God is trying to judge us as a sinner. God treats you like a friend, like a brother, like a son, like a daughter. When you're a Christian, you have to look differently. You have to change your mind on how you look towards yourself. And that's a hard thing to do because we're told things growing up and people put stuff in us. But God needs to change the narrative of who God says you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can do all things through Christ because he strengthens you. Now, the third thing, that's where we want to get to. The third part is changing our mind towards the church. That's verses 9 to 16. And then verse 70 to 21, we change our mind towards everybody else, people outside the church. So these last two parts where we want to get to, but there's an order to God, isn't there? First, we have to change our mind about God or towards God. Then we have to change our mind towards ourselves. Then we branch out a little bit and change our mind towards the people in the church. And then after that, we change our mind towards people outside the church. This is important because God works kind of in order. If you ever read the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are in order of a relationship. The first four commandments are all about us and God, right? If you look at the first four, they have no other gods before me. Um, then no idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath, which is between the Lord and Israel. It's all between us and God. The first four commandments. Why? Because that vertical relationship is the most important thing. And then after that, what is it? The fifth commandment that you honor your father and your mother, right? It begins to branch out a little bit in the family. Now, it doesn't say you have to obey your mother and father if you're a grown-up. But here's the thing. God says, honor them. So I want to call my, my dad and mom a name. Well, let me tell you what you call them. Sir, <laughs> ma'am. So I don't feel like that. Well, remember what I said? If you can't get that part right and it's hard, go back. Go back to God. Because this is what God says. It's God's commandment. It's not what Pastor Bigelow says. So we go back and say, God, I'm going to put no other gods before you. God's like, this is how you treat your mom. <laughs> okay, God. And you know, say, well, preacher, but I don't get along with them. You know, you don't have to get along with them. But you have to honor them. Why? Because God is setting that family unit as an example for the rest of the world. And then once you get that, the fifth commandment, what are six through 10? Six through 10 are things that you don't do to other people. <laughs> don't kill them. Don't commit adultery with their, their spouse. Don't steal from them. Don't lie to them. And don't covet things that don't belong to you. Like this man, he was in the courtroom and uh, the judge says, why are you here? He said, judge, I should not be here. I was just shopping. I didn't even go to the checkout. I didn't even go outside the store. I just had stuff in my basket. So the judge looks at the opposing side and says, this is true. This man didn't even go through the cash register. He didn't walk outside. And the, attorney, the other attorney said, well, actually, yes, sir. He said, well, the judge like, why is he in my courtroom? And the prosecuting attorney said, well, the store was not open yet. <laughs> so when you covet things, those are things that you're not supposed to have. But notice, it's all about the relationships. 
The Ten Commandments, if you read, there's other things in 1 Peter. I'm not going to really go into it. But you start with faith and you end with charity. So you start with a personal faith and it ends with that charity after brotherly kindness to reach out to everybody else. So, so preacher, but I'm having a hard time towards other people. Well, go back to the church. Well, I can't love the church because of this. Well, go back to how you look at yourself. Well, I hate myself. Well, go back to verse 1 and verse 2 and let's change our mind about what we think towards God. So if it, if it ever gets hard, it's simple. We can just kind of go back and go back to God. You can always go back to God. And if things get crazy, we can always go back to God. So let's look at verses uh, 9 to 16. Changing your mind towards God's people. Let God change our mind. Let God renew our mind. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Now that's kind of like three things in one scripture, but let's look at it. Let love be without dissimulation means hypocrisy. That means that you say one thing or do another, or it means to be two-faced. A hypocrite was actually a word for an actor in ancient Greece, okay? And they would do one thing on stage, and then of course they were a different person off stage. And... I remember when I was delivering some sheetrock. This is in Washington State. We went into this business. And there was a lady in there who was the secretary. And man, she didn't. Now, we were dirty, okay? So we looked like construction guys. And she said something like, we went in the front door, right? She said, you'll have to go in the back over there. So it's like, you're not worthy of the front door. You'll have to go around and in the back. And that was fine. We were dirty. We were delivering sheetrock. But the funny thing was, as soon as she said that to us, the phone rang. And she picked up the phone and she was like, such and such business, how may I help you? And I was like, look at that. You've got two different voices for two different situations from the same person. Well, you know what? As Christians, let our love not be like that. Let's treat everybody the same. Let's not have the sweet voice at church and the mean voice at home you know now that we're away from the church i can let you know how i really feel no let's let this love be just one way amen so it says abhor that which is evil and it really shows a personal responsibility you know everyone in the in in america is like a social justice activist i mean everyone's online but they don't probably make their own bed. I mean, we've got to start at home. We've got to make our own bed, cut our own lawn, deal with our own problems. And that deals with not uh, allowing evil into our house. If we take care of our house, the country will get fixed. But it's interesting. It follows and says, don't run from something, but it says, cleave to that which is good. You know, like when you get married, you leave your father and mother and you cleave to your wife. And really, that's good advice. We shouldn't just run from evil. We should run to good. Someone said this. Don't run from something. Run to something. And that's good advice. If we're just running away from evil or running away from the devil, that's really not, that's really not the way we should do We should be coming unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God's got an answer for our lives. Run to something. Verse 10. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Now, 
people know if we're around them, right? If we consider them an obstacle or an opportunity. People, have you ever caught the vibe that someone didn't want you in the restaurant? You know, you could be like, oh, they don't really want us here. Well, we went to Starbucks the other day. Preacher, you're always going to Starbucks. Yes, but we were buying something for someone else, okay? I don't think we got anything for ourselves. But, but the guy at Starbucks, my wife's like, can you come in? You never come in. So I'm like, okay. So I walked in with her. And the guy with his mask and everything, he said something like this. He goes, we are so happy that you're here today. What can we get for you? And I was like, oh, that's why I love Starbucks. I mean, but he really had joy. You could tell he was smizing. That means he's smiling in his eyes. And, he, and uh, it was a real greeting to a customer. That's how business works. Amen. So uh, the Bible says, in honor preferring one another. That's, that's really how you build relationships in the church. You put your own wants aside and you let someone else go first. You, you be a blessing. You know, everyone, we all have problems at our house. We all have problems with, you know, things we're dealing with, but we can stop long enough to help someone else. What is that? Preferring the brother, preferring the sister, and it actually comes back to be a blessing to you. Because if you be a blessing to someone else, when someone else has a need, and that will really touch their heart, right? Because people won't really remember uh, much about you except about how you made them feel, about how you bless them. And so when it comes a time and you have a need, you know what? That same God that touched their heart when you were a blessing to them can touch their heart to come to, to your aid when you have a need. And there, there's going to be a time, brethren, we'll have a need. So in honor, preferring one another. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. <laughs> I think there's a cartoon called Zootopia. It's all these animals, right? And they go to the DMV or whatever they call it. And everyone's an animal. So the cop's a bunny and, and uh, the person at the DMV, they're all sloths. I mean, it's like a joke. And the sloth is named Flash, right? But he's like so slow. But the Bible said, be not slothful in business. Now, I remember that uh, Jesus, when he was 12, he got all wrapped up in working for his father. And he, he got separated from his parents. And when they found him, he said, didn't you know, wist ye not, that I must be about my father's business? I've got business to do. And uh, I remember... Uh, this guy named Clark Howard on the radio, he, he taught me something about business. You know how you get mail and you look at it and if you really like it, you get something from it. If you don't really want to do anything with it, you put it in the pile. It's like a, it's the pile, right? And so that, you'll settle that when I have to, the phone bill, you know. And if it's a check, you can go, go spend it, stamp it, spend it. But he said he touches his mail one time. So when the mail comes in, He's got no pile. He, he pays the bill. He throws out the trash. And I was like, that's not slothful in business. That's, and he's, they call him the consumer warrior. So he knows what he's talking about. Well, I, I began to implement that in my house. So if I get mail, it's a preacher, but it takes too long to do that. But then there's no pile. There's no buildup on my emotion. I have no stack of mail to go anywhere. Why? I touch it once. It comes in. I deal with it, I pay the check, I write the check, I do whatever I need to do, I mostly throw them out, but it's being 
not slothful in business. Why? Because that's how we take care of things. And really, this is dealing with people, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, I heard this attributed to different preachers, but someone said to this preacher, like, how do you get people to come hear you preach? And he said, I just catch on fire and people come to see me burn. But that's what Jesus was said of him as said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus caught on fire and people came to watch him burn. Verse 12, how we change our mind towards people in the church. Rejoicing in hope. Patient. This whole thing's about patience, that evil word, right? Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. I'm going to say the F word, okay? And this is being recorded, so you can actually listen to it. There's a four-letter word. It's called the F word. And that's the word fair. Have you ever said, it's not fair? Well, let me just tell you, there's an F word out there, and it's called fair. Life, I'm telling my daughter, I tell her, life is not fair. (laughs) Well, what are you supposed to do about it? Well, go have a pity party and, you know, throw some things or something. No, you're supposed to rejoice in hope. So the Bible says, patient when it's not fair, when it's in tribulation, because we all face that. No, preacher, you don't face that. I face that. And you will, don't, they, don't they fix your car right every time? No, they don't. They do stuff wrong and you know you get treated wrong and they give you the wrong stuff. And look, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That's one of the things when it goes crazy and we we get something crazy, it says, go back to God. Go back to that prayer. Instead of just saying, well, that's what will be, will be. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, if there's a what will be, will be, it should be at the end of our prayer when we say amen, which means so be it. Put a prayer of faith up there to counteract what is going on in your life. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, it says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Have you ever read that? And be like, not me. <laughs> Knowing that, now tribulations aren't fun, but it's a growing experience. My daughter said something like, uh, it was about sixth grade or third grade. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And the test in sixth grade is going to be so hard. I'm like, Emma, you're in first grade. You're going to grow by the time you get to sixth grade, okay? But, but the third grade test, Emma, you've got like two years to study for the third grade test, okay? You know that when we face tribulations, what are you doing? Growing. Because tribulation worketh patience. When God lets that come your way, know that he's got patience on the way, but it doesn't stop there. Then you get some experience, and then you get some hope. And then the Bible says that hope, makes you not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We need these things to help us grow. Distributing, verse 13, to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Now that's my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law will have someone live with him. I mean, he's a pastor If you want to see given to hospitality, go hang out at his house. And you probably could. He'd probably just make a bed for you. And he's telling me different ones that are staying with him are like, wow, brother. That's given to hospitality. 
and distributing to the necessity of the saints. When you see a brother that has a need or a sister that has a need, be ye warmed and filled isn't exactly what God wants you to do. And I'm not talking about if they, you know, wasted their money that you should give them a hundred dollars. But man, if you see that they're hungry or if uh, now this is just me. Now you you've got to be careful. I know if you're if you're a married guy, don't do things with you know. You've got to be wise. But like I'll tell my wife, I'll, I'll tell my wife, and God will lay something on my heart. And you know, a lot of people they come to church on faith. So what do you mean, preacher? I mean, they come to church and they might not have a lot of gas in their car. And uh, I've told my wife, uh, I said, honey, just have the sister take you up to the store. You know, because everyone would do that for the, for the preacher's wife. Oh, I'll take you. Can you take me up to the store? Well, the store has a gas station attached to it. So I'll tell my wife, have, you know, have this lady take you up to the store. And uh, when you're there, then drop it on her. Say, hey. You know, have her pull up to the pump, say, hey, what kind of gas do you put in your car? And just fill it all the way up. What I usually do is I look to see, you know, if it's on full, I'm not going to offer that. But if it's all the way down, don't be a blessing and put 13 cents in someone's gas tank, okay? But if it's all the way down on empty, like, oh, I got a chance to be a blessing. Now, what are you doing that for? Because I'm distributing to the necessity of the saints. And he said, preacher, but you're kind of, I'm not trying to talk about myself. I didn't mention names, but man, it's a blessing to be a blessing. And you know that a lot of times, and if, if God lays it on your heart, there was a man that said that uh, he was a new Christian and he went to church and God, you know, is a young single guy and he had like five bucks in his pocket, right? And during the worship, God is like, there's a lady like near him or whatever. And he's like, God lays on his heart, give, I think it was five bucks, I think. This is something like 20 years ago, whatever. God lays it on his heart, give that lady your five bucks. And he's like, that's not God. You got that narrative in your mind. You're like, that's not God. I have to go out. This is like his only money, right? He was going to go out and get like a, a sandwich with the guys afterwards. So he has five bucks and he's like, no. So God kept dealing with his heart. Now the man, I believe, if I'm... Not really exactly sure who it was. I could find out. But he's a pastor now. But this one, he was just a Christian going to, going to church. And so God kept dealing with his heart. So he kind of like, he just, you know, goes over to the lady and said, you know, ma'am, God laid it on my heart to, to give you this, okay? She begins to like tear up and cry. Because I guess she was like a single mom. And he didn't know this, but she came to church with just enough gas. And this happens, okay, to get to church. And she said, I came to church, but I didn't know how I was going to get home. So a preacher, but that didn't get him to, you know, get any food. Well, guess what? Uh, when he went out with the boys, one of the guys said, hey, my treat. And he got a better, you know, uh, dinner than he could have afforded with his, his $5. So uh, the Bible says... Uh, when we do what God wants to do, if you uh, sow, the Bible says you'll reap. And to what degree that you sow. So God will take care of us too. So dealing with, this is the church. Change our minds toward the church. People are an opportunity to bless. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Some people, you know, they always got something to say. And sometimes it's not the nicest thing to say. What do you say back? Bless you, brother. <laughs> 
Bless you, sister. You don't have to get back into a war. You don't have to say, well, well, let me just tell you what I think of you because I have a bunch of comments. No, no. Let's get off the comment section. And if we have a comment, hey, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. And just, you know, take the rest back to God. Verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that do weep. Be interested in someone else's blessings. Someone gets a new car, don't be like, man, I I really serve God. I give my money to the church. That brother's spending all his money on a car. That's not what this scripture says, okay? The Bible says if someone else is rejoicing with their new car, rejoice with them. Praise God, bro. You know, praise God, sister. Man, that's awesome. Can we go for a ride? You know, if someone gets blessed, the same God that blessed them can bless you. Don't, don't cry or, or, or rain on their parade. And if someone's really down, man, have a little compassion on them. Uh, you know, people go through. So if you're having a great day, they're having a rotten day. Maybe they need you to fill the tank up with gas. But go be a blessing to them. Understand them. Verse 16. Last one on the changing your mind toward church. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. You know, I was really thankful when I got saved. The pastor, he even gave me a ride to church. And I was talking with the pastor that I prayed for salvation under at this last conference. And he was just talking to me like a brother. But you know what? I was the new brother, but he still brought me to church. He drove all the way out to the base in California. I think he might have taken me home too. But you know what? Just because you're the pastor doesn't mean that you shouldn't have time for that new guy. And I wasn't even a brother. I was just the new guy. But, you know, you might be talking to someone. You might have a college education. And the other guy might be, you know, the, the country guy, countryfied. Well, guess what? The Bible said, don't get in little cliques. But we're all brethren. And in whatever level of education you have, it really doesn't matter to God. We look to the Lord who loved all men. For God so loved the world. A few a few minutes left, uh, verses uh, 17 to 21, changing your mind towards everyone else. If we can change our mind towards God, then towards ourselves, then towards the church, then we can deal with, sometimes they're the hardest people to deal with, the people outside of the church. The, verse 17, recompense no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Be possible as much as life is in you. Live peaceably with all men. There was a movie called The Princess Bride. And uh, this guy, he had, uh, had suffered wrong. So he went around and he would repeat this phrase. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And a lot of people run around like that. Like, I've been done wrong and I'm waiting to pay someone back. Like the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, these two warring families... And you were taught to hate the other guy because they were a McCoy and you're a Hatfield. We were joking about that. I wonder if, I've never met a Hatfield, but I've met some McCoys. So one man said, well, maybe the McCoys won and killed all the Hatfields. I don't know. But we're not supposed to recompense evil for evil. We're supposed to love folks. As much as lies within us. Well, preacher, what if I can't live with, in peace with them? The Bible doesn't say you're going to be able to, but you know, got to love some folks from a distance. Just be like, praise God, sir. You know, some of those neighbors you'll never get along with. Just, just smile and wave from a distance and let them live their life, okay? As much as lies within you. God knows there's limits, right? Verse 19, dearly beloved, 
And, and Paul, this is really something that's serious. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, if, let's not take matters, they say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Well, you're not Chuck Norris, okay? This is not something where you need to go and, and you know, and we're not, we're not going to, you know, be the one-man vigilante for our neighborhood. Call the cops. But the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. God's going to take care of things. God has laws and different things. And if people are all messed up, they'll run afoul of the law. The law will take care of that. Okay, we don't need to do that. And what's our job? Verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Really? If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. That that if you put coals of fire on someone's head, like if they would carry them in a basket, it means, have you ever felt your face getting warm because you were ashamed? That means if you treat someone right that's done you wrong, you'll bring shame upon them. And then it says that the total, I guess the outcome of the chapter is don't let evil get the better of you. You know, if you ever heard that said, don't let someone get the better of you. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let evil get the better of you, but let the better of you overcome evil. It says in 1 John 4 and 4, year of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Why? Because the Christ that is in you can have you change your mind towards God, change your mind towards yourself, change your mind towards the church, and change your mind towards everyone else. God bless you is our prayer. We're going to dismiss in prayer, and then after that, you are dismissed.